All right, if you want to grab a seat again, love it, love it, love it. Um, what is it about a Labor Day weekend? It, uh, often we get, you know, a, a dose of, of fall rain weather, and uh, it is fall, kind of feels like that, but I, we'll, we'll hope, hold out for some September sun yet, but we're in that season where they're starting up all kinds of new things. Some of you are going back to work in your former workplaces. Uh, we, we talked about kids going back to school. There's all kinds of, you know, coming back to church, and it's great to see faces we haven't seen in a long time. And at Hillside, our life groups are starting up again. Um, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about our, our small life groups. I feel like this has been such a, an isolating time this last couple of years, and uh, I tell you, if ever we needed kind of community and, and sort of pressing in and caring for one another and supporting each other, uh, that's really what a life group is. It's, it's having your faith not just be a Sunday morning experience where you come and kind of like you, you, you're a little bit more of a spectator, um, although we hope that this is a very participatory experience on Sundays, but uh, our life groups are opportunities for us to actually get to know one another and do faith together. And so uh, we want to encourage it. Uh, it's easy to find out more. Talk to Pastor Bill. Go on our website. You can sign up. And we'd love to, to see, uh, you know, everyone <laughs> in a life group. Uh, and, uh, or we'll call them lifeboats. Uh, maybe lifeboat is maybe a more appropriate term at times. Um, but we'll help get you connected. We'd love to do that. Uh, but we've been in this long, weird season. And it's been, honestly, a valley for many of us, this probably hasn't felt like a mountaintop experience. And the question is, how do we regroup? How do we recenter our lives on the things that matter most, the essential things, especially when it comes to our faith and, and our journey with Jesus? Um, I, I like how the author of Lamentation put it in Lamentations 3, in the message version, where it says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. So we're starting a new series this, this morning called Regroup, where we want to think about how we do that. How do we actually reorder our lives under God, both as individuals, and how do we do that as a community of faith? And I, I, I've come to actually love this word, regroup. It brings up images of restart, of reboots. It's a word of hope, and I think it's going to be good. Do you? Um, I always think it's going to be good, but I know in a sense that God has something great for us. So why don't we pause, and just before we jump in, let's pray. Lord, in these next number of weeks, as we consider this whole idea of regrouping as a people, as regrouping in our faith, um, I pray, Lord, you might surprise us by the way you meet us in that, and that you would lead us and guide us and uh, reinvigorate us and give us all that you'd want to pour into us, God. Reconnect us uh, to you and to each other in ways that are meaningful and rich and deep. I pray this today. We pray this with expectancy because you're God and anything is possible with you. And so would you do the work of transforming our hearts and our lives and our minds? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the text we're going to uh, focus on this morning, you can find in Revelation chapter 2, and if you've got a Bible app or a, an actual book, you can turn there right now. It's a text that describes a group of Christians that I think we might be able to relate to. 
So beginning in verse 2 of Revelation 2, Jesus, through the apostle John, is speaking to this, this group of Christians in the church at Ephesus, and this is what he says. He says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have a, this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. May God bless the reading of his word. <laughs> now, these, th notice this, this description of these Jesus followers. They had uh, grown in their faith. They had served faithfully. They were noted for endurance and diligence. But something happened. Somewhere along the, the line of their journey with Jesus, something changed. And it wasn't a work problem. They were serving and, and working just fine. Actually, they were affirmed by Jesus for their hard work and for their toil and for their perseverance. where your heart has drifted from something good. It's a kind of condition where your heart used to be inflamed with passion, and now it's kind of cool. It, it happens in relationships, right? You, some of you have been in love. You know, you remember those being in love? That, that's sick to your stomach, giddy, jumpy, you know, crazy, wide-eyed, enthusiastic, passionate, can't stop touching kind of love. Remember? Do you remember that? Let me give you some attributes of what first love looks like. One, you have an insatiable desire to learn everything you can about the other person. Yet when Angel and I met, we uh, would spend hours and hours talking about everything. We talked about our past, our parents, our present, our future, our dreams, our hopes, our plans. And Angel and I are both verbal processors, we're talkers, and even we went to extreme limits when it came to talking. But there's an insatiable desire to learn all you can about the other person. A second attribute of first love is there's a heavy investment in that love. You're willing to invest heavily. You make time for each other. It seems like in this season you have all the time in the world. Only from a person in that stage of love can you say, can I just drive by your work and wave? <laughs> or or can, I just drive, can I just watch you work, <laughs> right? One of our older hillsider men told a bunch of us a while ago that they had driven like a thousand miles to go visit their, their fiancé for like an hour before they had to drive back. It was like a weekend trip to California and right back again. Money. Not a problem. You're out to dinner, order anything you want. You go to the mall and it's buy whatever you want. There's this heavy investment in that love. A third attribute of first love is there's this intense preoccupation of your heart. When you're passionately in love, you know, there's, there's nothing else that catches your eye. There's nothing that grabs at your heart. Why? There's actually no room for anything else. <laughs> full of love for one another. That, that person gets your full devotion, your your full affection. This person was your treasure. It's like that song that I love. Uh, there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley deep enough, ain't no river wide enough 
to keep me away from you, babe. You wanted to sing it. I know, Emily. <laughs> and some of you maybe, maybe you haven't experienced this in a human relationship, but perhaps you've tasted it with God. And, and I, I don't assume you have. This may be your first time in church, and, and, and we're glad you're here, but this is what the Bible says in, in the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I, and I tell you, once you do, once... <laughs> You hunger and thirst for more of God. You find he's good. You find he's not only good, but he's desirable and he's reliable. You can count on him. And some of you have known a hunger for righteousness and a thirst for God that seemed unquenchable. You couldn't spend enough time with him. You couldn't leverage enough of your resources for God. You couldn't offer enough of your life to God. You got caught up in his, his love and and it's like a spiritual high. A Bible study is being held. A life group is being held. You're there. A, a worship service is on. You're there. A scripture memory, you're, you're on it. If there was a baptism bubble bath, you'd be doing it. <laughs> There's no place you'd rather be. Nothing else you'd rather give yourself to. Jesus Christ was the full focus of your heart and devotion. What can happen to love? Revelation 2.4 says something about our love for God. It doesn't say you've lost your first love. It says you have forsaken or you've left your first love. Well, now, what's the difference? It involves a choice. Actually, it's a series of choices. Over a period of time and over a series of, of small choices, your heart got cool and you find that you've You've, you've kind of stepped away from, you've left your first love. It's happened to me. <laughs> I suspect it's probably happened to some of you. And maybe you're in that place right now. So what do you do when it happens? Well, actually, Revelation 2 also gives the answers. Three steps we can take to kind of regroup when it comes to our love relationship with God. Three steps to recovery. Step one in this journey, verse 5, Jesus said, Remember. Remember your first love. It's a powerful word, remember. The definition is to recall to your mind with effort. The first step require, requires the effort of remembering. I think remembering is a very good thing. Remember means comparing where you were and where you are now. I think Angel has a gift of remembering. She would say, remember when we used to talk like we did, like late into the night? Uh, now we don't talk late into the night. We have kind of like a 10 o'clock rule. We don't talk to each other after 10 or something like that. Is that the 10 o'clock rule? Not quite, but almost. Um, she she said, has said, remember when you used to write love notes to me, Derwin? Do you remember that? I mean, there was a time, actually, when we were engaged, and I was going on a mission trip to Cuba for a month, so 30 days apart, and this was a big deal for us. And I was not going to have any contact with her by email. Or Did email even exist then? It did not. Texting did not exist. Social media did not exist. Uh, we couldn't even call. So 30 days, no contact. And so what I did was I went to a card store and bought a pack of 30 cards. And I wrote 30 love notes. And I had my dad actually mail one a day. And so over the course of that month, she was receiving love notes for me while I was away. 
And I was anticipating what order they should be in, what she'd be feeling. I mean, that's the kind of effort I went to. And she's, she's right now sitting in that chair going, I want that Derwin back! <laughs> Remembering is significant because it helps us see where we are and where we should be. Remember because God remembers. God remembers days when, like first love, there's been a time where you had an insatiable desire to learn everything you could about him. You made whatever investment that was required in that relationship. God was the preoccupation of your heart, and all you wanted was to love him and please him. Do you remember that? Let me tell you something. God remembers. He remembers the thrill within you the first time that you ever had the Bible really speak to you. Remember that? He, re he remembers that the courage you had the first time you talked about how much Jesus meant to you, to someone, a workmate or a friend. He was so proud of you. He remembers. God remembers each time in a, in a worship service where you lifted up your hands and surrendered to him or where you maybe held them up like an empty cup and said, God, would you fill me again? He remembers when tears would, would easily come to your eyes because you're just so filled with gratitude and wonder and amazement and grace. He remembers. He remembers when you pursued him like no other, when he was the object of your deepest affection. And you know what? He misses that. And, and this isn't about guilt because truth be told, you miss it too. Take time to remember, to reflect. How? I, I don't think there's a formula here. Read an old journal, you know, of a time when your relationship with God was more intense. You know, grab an old Bible that you used to use for your devotions where, and, and read the notes in the margins. Or go to a special place where you used to find God. Or maybe just find a quiet place in your heart and you say, God, I, I miss you too. I remember and I'm, I'm returning to you. I'm coming back to you. That really, really leads us to the next step we take. When, when, you've allowed, when we have allowed love to slip, verse 5 says repent. Now repent's kind of a heavy word. What does it mean? The definition of repent is really I recognize that where I am is not where I'm supposed to be. So I turn and move toward where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, so I turn and move towards where I am supposed to be. That's what it is. It's, it's like that truth that Lamentations 3 expressed, where he says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. That's repentance right there. We can do that. We, we're talking about Regrouping. You, you know one definition of regroup is? To stop and think about something so you can start and do something in a better way. Regroup, repent, repent remember. These are all related. It's about examining your life. And if you discover that you've kind of put your life with God somehow on cruise control, on, on automatic, you're actually, you think you're in a modern car where you don't, don't have to even hold the wheel anymore, you can just kind of let it cruise. I've been there. I've done that. If we discover that, that, that somehow we put God in the back seat as opposed to in front <laughs> driving with us, God doesn't want us to just feel bad about it and say, oh, well, 
that's unfortunate. No, he wants us to repent. He wants us to, to make the effort of turning back towards him. He says, don't just think about having a relationship with me. Don't just study about having a relationship with me. Have a relationship with me. Re-engage me with your heart. Call on God to bring you back, to inspire you again, to follow him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your mind and all of your strength, to love him like that. How do you move to the place to, to be where you want to be with God? First, you remember. Second, you repent. And third, this is right out of verse 5, do what you used to do. So what do you do? Well, you know <laughs> what kind of your story is, and, and I'd encourage you to reflect on that. But I thought, I thought just to do something different a little bit as opposed to giving us a formula, because I don't think there is a formula, I'd give you a story. This is a story right from the Old Testament, one of the ones I loved as a child, and I still do. It's a story about passion. It's found in 1 Chronicles 11. And I think it kind of serves as an image for us, or kind of like wayfinding signs, you know, as to how we might regain our passion for God. The story recalls a, a time in David's life when he was in hostile territory, again, hostile conditions, forced to flee into the wilderness to survive. This time the enemies are, are Philistines, and they're a, a strong military force occupying David's hometown of Bethlehem. Now by this time uh, for David, David had been anointed king by Samuel early in his life, and, and at this point all kinds of drifters had assembled kind of around David. They thought of him as their king. So you have David the king and this ragtag tag army, some of his army were known as his mighty men. Uh, as, as a kid, I, when I was born in church, I read the mighty men's deeds uh, every Sunday morning in the pew. Um, just loved, loved reading about these stories. But they were known for their mighty deeds, and they were known for their devotion to David. The story tells us that David was really weary. He was tired. And in a quiet moment, David spoke out with kind of some you know, nostalgia, <laughs> It says in verse 17 of 1 Chronicles 11, David longed for water, and he said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Now, this was clearly not a command that David gave. Not even a, not even a call for volunteers. This was merely a wish that he expressed out loud. Just a whip, wish from the lips of the king. But three of David's men who were nearby, close by, they heard it, and they immediately determined they were going to go get water for David from Bethlehem in the stealth mission of be behind enemy lines. And this is how it's described. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. In, in other words, he was so honored by their sacrifice and their devotion and their love for him, that water became sacred, truly holy water. I think that story could, could really be about how a person striving for spiritual passion lives. Let me point out just three, three truths from the story. First, 
Listen for the whispers of the king. Listen for the whispers of the king. The, the fact is, David's wish was probably uttered quite quietly, you know, informally. You had to have been in his presence to, to have heard it. I'm sure other soldiers were busy doing uh, important things, uh, you know, sharpening weapons and pitching tents and creating, you know, making meals, all necessary stuff. But the best activity for the moment was simply to be in the presence of the commander and, and chief where not only commands could be heard, but also a few wishes. Friends, for us to be in the presence of King Jesus is the best place to be. We can't get around it. We need time in our lives apart with, relationally with God, and we need to hear his voice. And we need to hear him not just for guidance, not just for instructions, not for more to your to-do list, but to hear his heart, both for you and for the world. Those three mighty men, they, they strained to listen for the voice of their commander, listening and, and seeking the wishes of the one to whom they, they devoted themselves. Friends, I, I'd suggest that it's, for us, it's only in quiet places and, and, and during times of stillness where we actually hear the wishes of God. God's wishes aren't shouted. Anyone can hear the commandments, right? Unless you don't want to. But it takes a sensitive ear to, to hear the wishes of God, and that only comes in stillness. Again, no formula. This is about relationship. Re remembering first love means returning to those foundational aspects of relationships. Listening, talking, sharing, hearing. It requires being intentional. I'm sorry to admit it, but uh, Angel and I, man, in our marriage, you know, it, it, it's so easy to let love slip. And, and kind of if we just go about our business, it does, actually. Uh, I, I, I can tell you the formula on that. <laughs> if, if I don't do certain things, if I don't make her a priority, and for us, we actually have to, to plan dates. We have to plan time together because life just seems to want to crowd that out. And so we have to kind of craft time in our schedule. Do you know what? The, the primary price demanded to, to gain the presence of God and to hear his voice is time. It's time. Making time for him. And I wonder, as we move into this new season of fall, we are making plans for everything. Maybe we should be spending time thinking, how can I reorder my life under God? How can I reorder my life to make room for God in my life? How can I square away time each day, each week, to simply be with Jesus, to, to talk and to listen and to hear God's whispers? It's going to cost us time, and I'd say it's worth the time. Because hearing God's whispers, that, that song, uh, Good, Good Father, what does it say? So it talks about hearing the whispers in the night, telling us we're loved. Sometimes it's not an assignment he gives you. 
more often than not, it, it's reminding us of who you are, your identity, and what life is about. Sometimes it's, a, uh, it's an assignment. And the second observation is this, is to take a risk for the king. Uh, the story doesn't record any debate, debate among these guys. There was no, are you crazy? The passion quickly moved from listening mode to action mode. And here's the thing, convictions that come from a genuine encounter with the living God generated, creates a passion to act and even to take risks for him. Angel mentioned last week, she mentioned our getting married 29 years ago and then immediately after getting married, hopping in a car and driving with all our earthly belongings across the country and moving to British Columbia. Why did we come out here from Ontario to, to here? It's because we heard God tell us to. We had a conviction that God was drawing us here. We didn't understand it, but we sensed that very strongly, God calling us to the lower mainland to, to give our lives to. And to our families and to our friends, even to our marriage counselor, pre-marriage counselor, uh, they saw all the potential downfalls of us doing this. This didn't make sense. It looked like risky behavior. But can I be honest with you? To us, it didn't feel risky at all. We felt this confidence because why? We felt like we were being sent. It didn't feel like a risk. It felt like a God adventure, and it was. And it has been. I'm so glad that we heard God's voice and that we obeyed him and came. And, and out of that has been such a gift to us. This will happen to us. The boy or the girl, the man or the woman who takes time to hear God speak is apt to have the same reaction, instant motion. As John says in Revelation 2, do what you did at first. Do what you used to do. What's that? Do what God tells you to do and listen and step out and go where he leads. Third, do it with the king's power. These three were not only compelled to take a risk, they had the strength to do it. They had the kind of boldness that, that was the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. David and his friends' power and passion can be attributed to being filled with the Spirit of God. David's mighty men, they, they won amazing victories, including this one. As verse 9 says, David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. Friends, there, there is literally no hope of us making any progress on our spiritual journey on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We, we recover our love for God, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, by, by my spirit, says the Lord. These words have been ringing in my, my ears this, this last week. The words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3, 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? The Bible just makes it really clear. We can't attain what we want with God on our own. Actually, he's the initiator. He's the... The, the beginning, beginning end, middle, and end of our relationship with God. But we can do all things through him. If we're called to do what we used to do, one of the biggies is to, I would say, is to ask and seek for the power of the Spirit. And I really believe this is going to be a theme that we press into this fall. That we're looking for God to spiritually renew us and pour into us his power. To ask him again to fill us with his Spirit. To give us 
his strength and power to transform our hearts so that we are again passionate and unafraid. A couple was driving home on their 25th wedding anniversary after a celebration at a fine restaurant, and, and the wife was sitting over against the door on the passenger seat, and her husband was behind the wheel, and she began to lament. And she said, oh, honey, remember when we were so close? I mean, I remember when we first got married, we sat so close, you could hardly shift the gears. <laughs> you know? And look at us now. And the husband in the driver's seat of the car just responded with a shrug. Well, I never moved. <laughs> and friends, Jesus has never moved. He's never moved. He's still there, still inviting. He's still pursuing. And, and maybe you feel like you've blown it, or maybe you feel like you lost time, or you thought God would never quite want me like I am right now, or want me like this. You could not be more wrong. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, God is always there with open arms, wanting you to come home to him, wanting you to return. You know, it's, it's like coming home. For those of you who are wanting a relationship with God, i got to tell you, you, you can start it today. It's that easy. Just open up your heart and life to him. And it's like coming home. For those of you who are on your journey, I, I'd encourage you, stay steady. Stay on course persevere. Remember his love. Wherever your heart has gotten cool or wherever you've blown it, this is a time to repent and to regroup and then take the next right step towards him to do what you did at first. Just keep moving in, in God's direction. He wants you in his arms. He wants to be at the center of your life no matter what. I want to lead us in a time of reflection together. And uh, so I just want to invite you to maybe bow your heads and, and close your eyes and use this as a time to do a bit of a heart check. I want to ask you what... Try to be as honest as you can with the Lord. He's the only one that sees and hears right now. What do you sense is the, the state of your heart right now? Has your faith cooled at all? Well, just, just be open to God about it right now, right, right in this place. This is holy ground, and God loves it when we are open with him and honest with him. Is there, a, is there evidence in your life, something that just is kind of glaring to you this morning, that God is not your priority, that somehow he's taken second place in your life, or third or fourth? Just be open to God about that, and this, this is an opportunity to repent over that issue. And so just take some time, confess and repent.
And friends, what might being intentional about your relationship with God look like in this season? As we step into this fall, what, what might you carving out time for him look like? And I sense again that God wants us to be filled to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. So I, I want to encourage you. Now maybe uh, this is an opportunity to, to put your hands open. Open your hands before God. Just uh, turned upward and invite God by his Spirit to fill you again. And Lord, I do, I invite you, Holy Spirit, right now, would you meet us in this moment? Would you simply pour into us that which we need? We, we need your power. We need the person of the Spirit at work in us, filling us, flowing into us, flowing through us, God. So I pray, Lord, we open us. Uh, we open our hearts to your Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're good, we pray. Would you come now, Holy Spirit? Would you come and fill us, God, we ask. We ask this in Christ's name. Lord, we need you. We need your power. We can't do this on our own. Fill us, Lord, we pray.